Kennedy Street, please visit kennedystreetcio.org. Recovery is possible. We've gone live. We've gone live. There we go. Hi, everybody. My name's Claire Kennedy. Um, welcome to our Facebook Live and our YouTube channel and also our, our Recovery Talks podcast. Um, yeah, it's really nice to be here. It's um, a wet and windy day in Brighton, um, which I'm sure it is all over the country. Um, today, we've got a really interesting um, guest speaker. So for those of you who don't know what we do here, um, we run these um, Facebook Lives and um, social media posts really to try and demystify and destigmatize the recovery process. Um, we ourselves are a small charity based in Brighton, um, but thanks to the um, pandemic, we're now running a national recovery helpline where we um, support and signpost people to the most appropriate service for them. Um, where possible, we do um, introduce them to what's freely available in their communities. Um, there's lots of amazing services and, and fellowships and support projects out there. But for some people, um, private rehabilitation um, is an option and, and, and a necessity in some cases. So we've invited the lovely Nuno to come along today, who, who works for a company called UCAT, which stands for UK Addiction Treatment Centres. Um, and I'll let Kev say hi, and then I'll let Kev um, take it over to Nuno. Over to you, Kevy. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name's Kevin Kennedy. Uh, I am the patron of Kennedy Street. I uh, hope you're all doing well out there. A big shout out to all my pals in Manchester um, who are now going into lockdown. Uh, just look after yourselves and each other up there. Uh, and today, we're uh, gonna, as, as Claire said, we're going to talk, be talking to uh, Nuno from UCAT. Uh, and UCAT is the organisation that looks after treatment centres in the United Kingdom. Um, so without further ado, um, I'd like to introduce Nuno. Hello, Nuno. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Uh, nice nice to, to see you and nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, do you, um, want, to, do you want to fill us in a little bit more, Nuno, as to, obviously, I, I, I think I've met you before. Your face is very familiar to me and your name is definitely familiar to me. Um, but would you like to just um, introduce yourself and also give us a little overview of what UCAP does? If I, we'll start with that. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been working in the field for a good, like, 20 years now. So it's, it's very normal that we already cross paths. Currently, I work as the group uh, treatment lead. So I'm the treatment lead for, for the UK Addiction Treatment Centers Group. And what that means, that means that I'll oversee therapy, therapeutic programs in all of our treatment centers. So we currently have seven treatment centers throughout the UK, plus one, eight now, because this, um, I think, last week, we expanded to another treatment center in South Warwickshire, so up north. Um, and, and obviously, we will have therapeutic programs running in all of the treatment centers. And I oversee that. So I will do a little bit of audits or just uh, trying to implement new, new um, therapeutic tool or just make sure that everyone is complying, you know, with our program. 
So in a nutshell, that's that's what I do um, at, for the UK Addiction Treatment Centers Group. I also am the spokesperson to to the media, and that's why I'm here talking to you guys today. Um, so yeah, the role is quite diverse. So. It is. It is. Well, it's really lovely to meet you, Nuna. Finally, um, to put an actual person to the to the face. Um, yeah, so what what we'd like to find out a little bit more about is, so obviously I know you've got treatment centres all over the country and um, for some people it is important that private options are available um, because some people, as in Kev's case, for instance, he was a functioning um, alcoholic addict um, 22 years ago. Both Kevin and I, if you don't know, for those who are watching that don't know, both Kevin and I are both in active recovery ourselves. And um, do you want to give us a little overview of you, Kevin, um, sort of just so we can lead into sort of what sort of services um, you can support with? Yeah, well, 22 years ago, um, I was in the depths of my addiction um, and I'd only really heard of, of rehabs through the, the popular media. And a lot of them, you know, were, for example, uh, the Priory, and they said, well, this is the place where all the celebs go. Um, and it was described in the newspapers as a hotel and five-star luxury, which I'm sure um, uh, must have been annoying for people in the recovery industry because, you know, it's not about five-star hotel and luxury. It's about getting well and, and facing up to the realities of your addiction. Um, so I, I did go into various uh, rehabilitation places. The first one was uh, in Manchester. It wasn't very well known and, and, and God love them. They didn't have the facilities um, to really help. They, they, they didn't have, they didn't give me the education or the tools that I needed to to progress during during in, into recovery the second one i went into was actually the, the priory which although was uh, a lot better funded and uh, had a lot better facilities than the first one uh, it was still hard work you know i think if you go to somewhere any rehab if you think it's luxurious then you're not doing it right um so and i was a kind of you know a, a, a functioning alcoholic you know I, I was going to work every day um, I wasn't out and about on the street as uh, <clears throat> as a lot of people think addicts are that's only a very small percentage of, of the addicts that, that uh, inhabit the UK um, and, and for me you know to go into rehab I thought was the end really when in fact it, it was just the beginning um, so that was my my particular journey and i have to say if it wasn't for rehabs actually both rehabs because i did learn stuff in in the first one uh, and i and i learned an awful lot in the second one if it wasn't for the for the uh, rehabilitation i received there i wouldn't be where i am today um yes it's all based on the uh, 12 step program um and and yes there is a, a certain religious element to it you you know, it really helps if you have a, a background in religion, uh, which I did have. Uh, that gave me something to grasp onto. But I don't say that that is uh, absolutely essential because it's not. Um, a lot of people who, who go through rehabilitation have got no 
uh, idea or, or, or no religious background at all. Uh, it just helped me. Uh, so I just want to say that, you know, that uh, without rehabilitation in, in both of those, I wouldn't be where I am today. Amazing. Thank you, Kev. And, and, and I know for us as a family, it really did make a difference because, um, like Kev said, you know, he, he did try the government funded option. Um, and even though Kev identified in his head with being a very working class boy, um, coming from you know a, um, a poor poor background, really, um, he he wasn't that when he went into rehab. He was a soap star who was high functioning and performing in front of twenty one million people. So it for him, what we know this now, we didn't know it at the time, but it was really important that he was with his peers, he was with other people who we could identify with. So, so, so I think what I'd like to ask you, Nuno, if you don't mind. So, a lot of the people that watch our shows, they're not in recovery, but they're interested in recovery. Some people are searching for a solution. So, if if somebody was watching this show and and they thought, you know what, I've got a job, I've got to get me act together, I need to go into rehab sharpish, and I need to get well, sort of sooner rather than later. So how would they go about accessing um, private rehabilitation? Well, I think they, go, uh, they can go directly to, coming directly to us. Um, the internet nowadays is, is like um, a search engine, you know, uh, a tool that people use a lot. And, um, and they can get the contact details from uh, our treatment centers or any other treatment center then called the admissions department. Uh, they can also uh, go and see their GP and have a talk with the GP and try to see what kind of referral pathways the GPs have with the council as well. Try to have um, some funded, um, like council funded um, rehab as well, uh, which is uh, nowadays more and more is, is difficult because the budgets have been cut throughout the years. But... Um, yeah, I think those are like the main ways to try to get help. They can also go to self-help groups, right? Like, um, you know, like we've got Smart Recovery, we've got uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, 12-step um, fellowships, and people get well through the rooms as well. Uh, I think what they cannot do and just sit um, stuck and not doing anything, they need to try something. We need to speak with someone. Yeah, absolutely, wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's really what we're trying to do is give people that opportunity to start the journey. You know, it's all well and good having a problem, but unless you actually reach out, and often people ring us up and they don't know really what's wrong with them. They know that there's something wrong, um, but they don't know that, that they play a part in the, the, the getting well bit so what we offer is a starting point and we connect people to resources I myself didn't go into treatment I myself got well through the 12-step fellowships and to be honest it did it saved my life and it changed my life um, and I, I, I've got to add one of the, the the most scariest parts of the 12-step program for me was this, the mention of a spiritual program because I did think it was religious and I wasn't religious. I didn't have an upbringing of faith like Kev did. So that really did scare me and it was quite off-putting. Um, 
But what was beautiful was the people that I met in those rooms demystified it for me and what that meant. So I looked at the word, uh, when, you know, when you do hear the word mentioned of God um, as good orderly direction. And I so needed that, Nuno. Honestly, I so needed that. And what they did was they just helped me keep it simple. They just helped me keep it simple, um, which was beautiful. We have put your contact details across the bottom of this chat. So if there's anybody who's listening or, you know, when we when we reshare this, um, wants to get in contact with UCAT and discuss treatment options, you can do so. We've put the website and we've also put the contact telephone number so people can give them a ring um and like i say you know i know of you can i know that the great work that you do and i know that the, the, the people on your helplines are really really helpful where possible um so yeah it's amazing and do as a matter of interest i'm really passionate about family recovery um do do you encourage family recovery in your treatment centers as well do you offer any provision to oh yes from day zero <laughs> so yes we, yeah we, we do encourage family involvement from the beginning in many forms we we kind of with the client's consent of course we'll send the families a questionnaire the families will fill in the questionnaire and the client can uh, read the questionnaire in group with the support to get the support from other uh, members of the group uh, we invite people for family therapies with um, with a member of staff, a counsellor, uh, on those meetings as well. Or we can do via a video conference because nowadays it is a little bit more difficult access because of the, you know, the, the restrictions of COVID-19. We do have also a family group. So every treatment centre, currently we are holding every other week an online family group where families can go and can get some support. Uh, and we do refer to, um, you know, self-help fellowships, our own code, um, ACOA, you know, fellowships for further support and also other professionals. Um, because we need to keep in mind that residential treatment, it is very important. And for some people, it's really crucial. People need to spend some time um, in a protected place to kind of uh, deal what they need to do. But the transition period is as important as a residential. So when people leave treatment, the aftercare, going back to their lives, to the places where sometimes they drank and they used drugs and um, acted in other behavioral addictions, it's very important. So, um, so we do have also um, like online aftercare uh, groups for the clients. But for the families, and coming back to the families, sometimes families might need some extra support from a professional, and we try to refer out to people that can continue to support the families. Amazing. Okay. Um, I'm going to play devil's uh, advocate here. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bloke that my family says I have to come into, into one of your facilities, right? But there are certain questions that I need you to answer. Uh, um, right. I mean, just like simple stuff that I think I, someone would ask, like, one, do I get my own room? Um, uh, what, what do I get fed? Um, is it kept confidential that I'm in there? Because I don't want people to know. And uh, can you walk me through um, a typical day? 
Sure. Yes, I think it's yes to your questions. You can have a single room. You can have also a shared room. Um, you, of course, you are fed. We've got a chef in each uh, treatment center. Um, and yes, confidentiality is there. We will not speak with your family unless you give us consent. So, so yes, um, the day how it runs, so the day, the start, it's very structured days in our treatment centers, starting with um, uh, daily meditation, you know, breakfast, daily meditation. Um, some people might have uh, to get some uh, uh, medical support, so they've got their medication slot as well there. And go, then they go straight into different groups. So we start with the, with the group therapy every day. And then we have uh, another group called an assignment group. So basically we ask uh, our uh, clients to, um, to kind of fill in some written assignments. And then they'll have the, the opportunity to present those assignments, all related with their, with their addictions. Um, if you're talking about the 12 steps, we'll ask them to, to write a life story, step one, step two, and step three, and so on. And they have the chance to present to the group, get some feedback from the group and from staff. Then we have the, our break for our lunch. In the afternoon, we've got more groups. The afternoons are a little bit different. We've, we can have an assignment group. We can have a workshop. But we also have like other holistic therapies going on. So we can have a yoga session, uh, a sound therapy session, which is, um, you know, if you heard about gong bath, uh, 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 so therapy through vibrations of sound. Um, so we can have um, online fellowship meetings in the evening as well. Um, so the yeah, it's, it's quite structured, you know. You The times go by very quickly. Also, Nuna, can I ask, I mean, I, I, I know the answer to this, but just for, for, for the people watching, really, um, is it just exclusively drink and drug um, addictions that you help people deal with when they come into your treatment centres? No. I mean, uh, we deal also with behavioural addictions. So we call behavioural addictions something like gambling addiction, internet addiction. Um, we have a facility in Banbury, Banbury Lodge Treatment Center, where we have a few beds for eating disorders as well. Um, I mean, I've been working in the field for 20 years and, and I think I never had a client with one like addiction, like, you know, there is a lot of cross addictions there, so we need to be prepared to, to help people with other addictions as well. So you treat the person as the as a whole in a holistic way, um, rather than a drug or behavior of choice, you treat the whole person. Yeah, we treat the whole person. And we try to, that's why I invite families, we try to have a, a systemic approach to the problem. So it's not just the person, but bring the family in, if we can, to do a little bit of work there. Uh, because sometimes, the problem is within the system, right? It's not just that person. There is little um, communication or toxic communication within the family, um, and uh, and that needs to be addressed as well. Doing that kind of work, to be honest with you, is more difficult because required um, 
like families to be willing to engage into a therapeutic process. And sometimes um, that doesn't happen. There is some resistance there. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of normal because we find that the other normally is the problem. He or she is the, the problem and, and not the, the rest. So. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. And I know and there's not a lot of talk about codependency and often people wonder what that means. So I know about codependency and I know for sure, I only know this now, I didn't know it back then. But when I started my adventure as a family member, um, you know, living with somebody with an addiction problem, it was quite a revelation that, that I played any part in it and that actually my behaviours were quite unhealthy around codependency. Could you explain a little bit more about codependency and how that, and how that plays out? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it all. I mean, uh, codependency is living our lives on, um, on, on a kind of putting ourselves second, so living our lives for other people. And sometimes what we do, uh, we are just enabling this person to carry on their using or drinking or with their addictions. Um, so it's, it's pretty much putting ourselves in second place um, in a nutshell, yeah. Yeah. Can I go back to the, the kind of layman's question that I think people want to know? That, that guy again, he said, well, look, my family said I've got to come in. How long have I got to stay in for? And am I ever allowed out whilst I'm there? Yeah, I mean, it depends. We at UK Addiction Treatment Centre, we are quite uh, flexible in what are the people's needs in terms of staying. So we can have someone coming in for for like just a, a, like a detox, like a two weeks detox, or we can have someone staying with us for for like 12 weeks. Um, so that is, is pretty much down to case by case. And, and, and some people might not have, uh, can't stay in treatment for that long. They've got like family or uh, work commitments, or we are also, we are a private uh uh, rehab, so people might not be able to afford that long in treatment as well. Um, and yes, I mean, nowadays with COVID-19 uh, restrictions, so it's more difficult to go out. Um, uh, we, we tend to have our treatment centers to, to take um, our clients for a walk, um, but not every day. Uh, and whilst in the past, we would take some clients to, uh, for example, fellowship meetings. Um, nowadays, we, we have to kind of have those meetings on site, on like a, a, video, a video platform. So, so yeah, I mean, that is, it's about health and safety, and, and, and that comes first, that needs to come first. So what is the, uh, what is the average, the Average amount of time um, uh, you'd have to spend in 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 rehab, and uh, and I say I do me four weeks or whatever it is. Um, afterwards, is that it then, or will you look after me? Do I have to come in sort sort of for a service, if you know what I mean? Would I have to come back and and every week after I've been let out after four weeks? 
Yeah, I mean, recovery is ongoing. So if people think that they go to treatment center and, and they come out of their brand new and that's it, people are wrong. People need to get this right. It's an ongoing process. Being with um, UK addiction treatment centers, 12-step fellowships, uh, professionals, other treatment centers. If someone said to you that you go to a, a residential treatment center for 28 days and that's it, it's, it's not right. That's not right. So the average of stay is between four and six weeks. That's normal. That's the average of stay, of stay in our uh, treatment centers. Then we find that, as I said it before, that the transition period is very important and they will benefit, the clients will benefit for a 12-month uh, aftercare group. So they can attend our weekly aftercare groups. Now it's online. Uh, but uh, for 12 months. And then we also have an alumni department. So this is for everyone that completed treatment with us. And that kind of support is for life. So what is the alumni uh, department? What do they do? They check in. They call in uh, you know, with some frequency to see if um, a you know, person is doing well in their recovery, if they need an extra support. They might have information that people don't have, like, for example, services uh, in, in their um, region for substance misuse services or, or um, like self-help groups, uh, information as well. Um, and that kind of support is ongoing. So there is no time scale for that. And uh, you mentioned a lot of written work there. Uh, what would happen, say, if my my English isn't too good, my penmanship isn't too good, I'm a bit embarrassed that I can't spell? Um, how 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 do we get around that? Yeah, I mean, um, we are not like a school or university, so it's about for the person to understand what they they are writing down, um, but. Uh, we are open for creativity as well. And some people do struggle to, to, to write in a, in a narrative, for example, then they use some bullet points and, and they are able to expand. Some other people just go into doing some collage using uh, photographs. Some other people might even choose to draw or use colors. So, I mean, we are quite flexible and our teams, they are prepared to, to support people with some you know, to help them, to express them in a way that is helping them, if you know what I mean. Mm. And what happens to all this information that I've written down and all these uh, things that might be deeply personal? I mean, do, are they destroyed after I leave or do you do you keep them forever or, or what happens? No, no, we don't keep them. We, we, we give them back. So it's up to the, the client to... to you know, to decide what, what they want to do with that. This is, we just need to, um, to just reminding them that some of the information, if other people at home will be reading that information, can be quite damaging for them. So, but they need to make that decision what, what they want to do with that. Yeah, I think that's important because it is quite personal, isn't it? That, that work that people do. Um, so that's a really good point. Well done. Um, 
Yeah, so, so we we um, know really about you because of um, we set up our charity a week before lockdown, and so we did a fundraiser in August called the Road to Recovery. So we that were involved. They sponsored. They kindly sponsored that event, and um, so that's how we got involved with you guys. Um, but do you have do you work with other charities in the community, or how does it work? Your charitable involvement. I mean, we. When we see the opportunity, uh, we get involved, if we can. I mean, I'm just thinking about, I remember of two situations, one in Runcorn, where we have a Oasis Runcorn Treatment Center, uh, that there was um, an initiative to go and collect some garbage, right? Uh, so we did that, we kind of, uh, we, we took some stuff and, and we did that with the council. Um, in Worthing, there was a, a 5K walk as well in our um, treatment center, the Recovery Lighthouse in Worthing. They were involved as well. So when, when there, are, there is an opportunity and, and we can, you know, because the, the priority is always treatment for the, the clients that are in. Um, but we do get involved. Yeah, I do think it's important. I really do. I mean, for us, you know, fundraising is critical um, because without fundraising, we can't run our helpline. You know, it's purely funded by donations. So um, fundraising is really important, as is is for all other charities as well. Um, So it's really lovely of you to get involved. We really did appreciate it. And I know that, you know, you do get involved in lots of other um, projects. And, you know, media presence is really important. I think, you know, for us, what we are as a peer-led project is we're we're quite visible and we're um, visible recovery activists, really, because we want to offer people an opportunity to see that people in recovery are good people. You know, they do good things and um, they've, been, they've been sick. You know, they're not bad people who need to get good. They're, they're sick people who need to get better. Um, so for us as a charity, we're passionate about that. We're passionate about showing that um, the volunteers that come and volunteer for us, some of them are in recovery, not all of them. We've got some business volunteers as well. But the recovery volunteers that come and volunteer for us, are amazing people life absolutely unbelievably talented creative great business people as well you know so so for us that project that you were involved in was run by our volunteers it was created by our volunteers as a fundraiser um and let me tell you we had to think creatively because it's hard to do a 5k walk (laughs) virtually so we really had to, you know, pull out all the plugs. But it was lovely to be um, to have your involvement. And, um, you know, I want to just thank you publicly for that. Um, because, thank you. Yeah, yeah, really was important to us. Go on, Kat. Um, can I ask as well? Sorry, I, I, I'm asking all the questions that I think that y- you want to ask. Um, what kind of cross-section of people do you get in, in treatment? Uh, and you mentioned I'd be in groups with all these people. What what what, what kind of people I'm gonna am I gonna be mixing with? Am I gonna be mixing with people off the off the street, or or, or, or how would this, how would it work? We, we've got people from all different uh, backgrounds. So um, yeah, I mean, you you might be mixing with people with CEOs of a company, but you might be mixing 
mixing with with people that yeah just came off of not off the street but you know come from a, a different background so different ages as well uh, genders uh, so it's quite diverse it's, it's diverse um, yeah well um, the re I mean I, I've been through the rehab situation and I know the kind of people I was asking for people out there who, who didn't know and I have to say that um, I spent well, I think um, four weeks in rehab um, and a lot of those people I was in with now are probably no longer here um, because it's real you know that this is a real threat but the ones that are left are um, our friends for life because we went through that that situation together that experience together uh, and I have to say um, that those people that you know that they're, they're just we were all in the same lifeboat really sort of clinging mm. on and we've got, that, we've got that link now we're connected forever with yeah. those four weeks that we were in rehab together and, um, and I have to say I found it an amazing experience didn't like it too much at the time of course uh, it is one of those uh, folks that at the time I, I hated it I, I hated mm -hmm. everything that I was asked to do um, I didn't want to write my, my life story. I thought, well, you know, I thought I'm not, shouldn't be here, really. That was my uh, kind of take on it. I have to come here because, um, you know, Claire said I've got to come, and uh, if I don't, if I don't come here, then the whole everything's over. You know, I, I was even thinking, well, once I get out of here, I can, I can pick up on my drinking and uh, using career. So. Um, I'm only in it for other people. And I have to tell you that um, that idea is soon um, kiboshed uh, because I actually started to listen to the people that were, were, were talking to me. And the people that were talking to me had actually were in recovery. Hmm. I found that uh, very, very encouraging because these people were had been where I've been. Uh, it spoke my language. Who knew how I felt, and I found not only a great comfort, but um, very—it was just nice. It was just—I I believed them. You know, before I'd been to see doctors and and experts on on recovery, experts on on alcoholism and uh, and drug use, uh, who, as far as I know, were not in recovery. And I thought, well, you don't you don't know what you're talking about. Um, so. I have to ask, are people uh, working for you, Kat, and in your uh, treatment centres, uh, have they been where I've been? Do they know what I'm talking about? Uh, can they help me? Uh, because they, do they know what it's like? Yeah, the majority of, of the, our staff is in recovery themselves. So they've been there. And, and I'm talking from counsellors, support workers, you know, uh, the admissions, you know, alumni. So a, a lot of the, the people are in recovery. I, I I totally understand. I'm I'm in recovery myself, and uh, and from my group, there is some people that you know we, we keep talking. Um, this was like more than twenty three years ago, and we keep being in touch. And some of us are working in the in this field. And then sometimes it's, um, it's amazing to have the realization that 
where we've been and where we are now and just trying to give some hope to people, just trying to give some solutions to people. And um, yeah, I mean, that's important, you know, don't get me wrong, it took me six years from the first time I asked for help to get into recovery. And um, yeah, no pain, no gain. Um, but uh, looking back, it was the best thing I've done in my whole life. And after that, I already got married, have children, you know, beautiful things that happened in my life. And um, But that was the best thing I have ever done. I truly believe if I didn't get well, well definitely, you know. Uh, so, so if people are hearing, it's like, and if people are on the edge, you know, speak with someone, you know, go into a fellowship meeting, speak with your GP, call one of these treatment centers, speak with someone. Uh, it's difficult. It's not about money. It's about your life. Because uh, we hear, see, heard a lot about numbers, but it's about people's lives and other people. There's a ramification uh, of uh, these people's lives. So it's the other, it's the son, it's the mother, it's the, you know, handless. So, yeah, people just should go and just speak with someone. Just want to go back very quickly to that uh, media presence because I'm very, I'm very hot on that because I believe like initiatives like this one of yourselves are very needed to raise awareness. We need to hear this more and more. We need to see um, and uh, one of you know this work that I do for you, Kat, with the media, I think is really really important because we just raise the awareness um, and we try to push like influential people to make better decisions in terms of people's welfare, right? Uh, and I don't want to go too political on that, but, but it's really important to be there. And I'll just give you one example of last week. Uh, a drug-related death report came out. And I don't think we heard anything on news about that. Not even online we are talking about COVID-19, we are talking about other issues. But we don't talk about those uh, drug-related deaths that keep keep uh, increasing. Um, 30%, between 30 and 40% of those deaths was... Uh, to do with prescribed medication, like legal drugs. I'm talking about um, you know, benzodiazepines, or I'm talking about antidepressants. I'm talking about these drugs, and um, it's really scary. It's really scary to me, because in the end of the day, we are not just talking about the person that um, passed away, right? We're talking about the ramification of other people that are suffering with this loss, uh, and that is not being talked about. That is very sad uh, because, yes, we go through a, a pandemic, very serious. Addictions is a pandemic and very serious as well. So so I'm, I'm, that's why I wanted to, to mention the media presence. I think UCAT does a lot of good work on, 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 that, on that line as well, just to, to raise awareness, to bring those issues up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely no, I'm I'm with you wholeheartedly, no, no, and you know um, I'm passionate, as is Kev, about um, just getting the message out there that recovery exists, that people do get better, but they need support, and it is, I will get political. It is criminal, actually criminal, 
that, that services are being cut, that drug and alcohol services are having their budgets slashed in half, when people are dying hand over fist, more people are dying on a daily basis than when COVID-19 um, people are dying. And the amount of attention that this subject matter needs is colossal. This is why we and Kev do what we do. You know, we, we work in the community. We live with these people. We, we, we go out of our way to go and get alongside people that really struggle, that really desperately need and want with both hands an opportunity to get into rehab but the hoops that unfortunately mm. a lot of areas people have to jump through to get into the, the the treatment that they need and like kev said you know he went four weeks into into treatment it was the tip of the iceberg he didn't realize that at the time it was just the very beginning of this amazing adventure that he knew nothing about mm. he really you know, me as a family member, I didn't know anything about it. You know, it was a new world we were entering into. And if it wasn't for people like us, we wouldn't have got the support that we needed because it wasn't available on the NHS, unfortunately. You know, and I do I, I do believe, you know, that, that the solution, the long-term solution lies in the community because that's where it's freely available. People can get continuity in care. You know, I'm 22 years sober, but you know, life still happens. I still mm. need support. I still need love. I still need guidance. I still need to have a rant and a rave sometimes when Kev's driving me crazy. You know, <laughs> mm. that's what we do. We need friends, don't we? I just want to say, you know, for everyone who's watching this who, who is thinking of getting into the lab, whether it be privately or, or you know, they're funding it themselves or their, their insurance companies taking them. I want to tell you that 22 years ago when I got myself into into rehab, uh, the first week I thought, what, what, what am I doing? And you might be in rehab now watching this. And I was in there for the first, I thought, what am I doing here? And it was my birthday. And for my birthday, they sent me to an AA meeting. And I thought, is this it? I mean, it's my birthday. You know, it's half past seven on my birthday. If I'm not, I'm you know, normally if I'm not already drunk, then I'm well on my way by half past seven on my birthday. And now I'm here. And and quite frankly, it's not good enough, was what I was thinking. Um, but I have to tell you, hand on heart, that um, going in, into into rehab was the best thing I ever did. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't want to be there. Um, although intellectually, I got it. Intellectually, I understood that if I carry on the way I am, I'm going to die. I understood that intellectually. I'm not. I'm not stupid. But emotionally, um, I could not grasp the fact that. It was not safe for me to, to drink again. But being in, in rehab for that length of time, and I must say, because I was the whole thing about recovery is you don't do it on your own. Um, because I was with all these other people that I'd never met before, and we were all feeling the same, even though we wouldn't admit it to each other, that we were stuck here, we're stuck together, we might as well just get on with it. Uh, and see what we can get out of it, which is a kind of a, a, a begrudging um, a way of looking at it. But I, I suspect 
most addicts will take that, that that road at the beginning. Yeah, we're here. I've got to do it. I might as well just get on with it and then I can get out again. Um, but believe me when I tell you that it was the best thing I could have possibly done. Mm. Because, uh, and it wasn't easy. It, it was it was very, very difficult, very hard. Mm. I had to look at myself and nobody likes to do that. But the beauty of it, I wasn't on my own. I was doing it with other people who were all at the same level as me, all trying just to just to get through, all trying just to get some part of their life back where they're not uh, attached to to a drink, where they can go somewhere where there's, there's not drink available. You don't have to think about that. You don't have to think about the lies and the, and, and and all that that goes with addiction. All it's, it's absolutely exhausting. You're given a clean a clean start, so you don't have to lie anymore. You don't have to hide anything anymore. All you've got to do is get honest. But the main person you've got to get honest with is yourself. Right? All you've got to worry about uh, in the whole world is yourself. You're in rehab, you get up for breakfast, you do as you're told, and then you go back to sleep again. And that's all you've got to worry about. You don't worry about outside. You don't worry about what, what, what people will think of you. You don't worry about what your family are thinking of you. All you've got to do is focus on your day. And if you do that, um, then I, you'll come out the other side uh, a better person. And that will start you on the road. Now, I, I am not an academic. I, I am just a normal bloke. Um, but I have to get honest. Uh, and sometimes that is the most difficult thing to do. So if you're in rehab or thinking of rehab, I wish you well. Yeah, sure. And I think... Like Kev's just touched on, I think the most important bit is that asking for help. I mean, it's it's it slips off my tongue, ask for help, but it is the hardest, hardest thing to do is that initial asking for help. And I think that's what we try and do is we give people an opportunity to just start to have those conversations just to reach out to some random stranger on the phone where you can go you know what I'm not sure what help I need but I know I need help the what I'm doing isn't working but I don't know where to start you know so I think the most important thing that I'd say to people is it's okay not to be okay and that it's all right to ask for help. It's the most liberating thing I've ever done and most liberating thing that we've ever done as a family. Um, and I'm so grateful that, the, you know, there are treatment centres out there. I think there needs to be way more. I think they need to be way more accessible. And whilst I'm on this earth, I'll go before anybody and have a stand-up argument about the level of commitment that our government needs to, to give to help it to get better because people not only you know dads and granddads are dying but kids are dying mm -hmm. people are dying because of um lack of ignorance really it is lack of ignorance from, from a political perspective that's my opinion anyway can i ask you say i come to you i'll come to you and i've said right look i've i've realized i've got a drink problem but i haven't got any money could you could you help them could you direct them into the right place if they came to you first yeah i mean we kind of um not only referring to fellowship but also to um teams drug and alcohol teams that work in the council to see if they can get some funding for some kind of support 
for um, supporting the community as well. Uh, but especially if uh, someone is drinking, it's really, really important for them not to stop on their own and go and see a GP. Um, they can have fit and can be really dangerous. So, so yes, but we would still try to um, offer some kind of support, yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Nuno. And and before we finish up, I mean, our time's flown by. I'd love for you to come back. I could actually talk to you all day. I'm really interested in this subject matter. It's my life. It's my calling. It's my passion, my purpose. Everything about me is about this subject matter. I really do care. So, um, but before we finish off, I wanted to just touch on um, UCAT's education and business programme that they mm -hmm. offer. So could you give us a little bit more information about that? What, what does that mean? So in a nutshell, it's like we'll take one of our counsellors into universities or schools or into businesses, corporate, and, and basically we do a talk on uh, alcohol and uh, substance misuse and the dangers of it, the symptoms, uh, and how people can go about to try to uh, get some help. In a nutshell, that's what we do, you know, and, and people, um, normally we've got a lot of questions, but again, if we are not there, if people are not in the community with initiatives like that, uh, the awareness is not there. So we need to do these things to raise that awareness so people know what to do. Many people that get well, and there are many people that get well, but unfortunately the majority of the people never had a chance even to know that there is something called treatment or a solution, a kind of support for that problem. And that is really, really sad. But that is a reality. Yeah, no, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I do. I, I'm very actively involved in the community um, awareness um, agenda, really, because especially young people, I, you know, I'm, we've got two young girls, 16 and 14. They, as far as I'm concerned, we've given them the greatest gift, which is recovery knowledge. They know that recovery exists and they know that, God forbid, should should they ever be in a position where they need to get help or they've got a friend who that, that that comes to them that needs help that they can offer a supportive conversation and they can tell them that actually recovery is real and it does does exist and that people can and do get better i think if we can plant those seeds at an early age in our beautiful young generation i mean can you imagine what a world it would be you know you're just amazing. So, yeah, I love that you're doing that. I'm passionate about businesses. Now, me personally and professionally, I've worked within businesses for years, for 22 years, helping high-functioning addicts. Understand, you know, understand that, the, that you don't have to wait until you're living on a park bench before you reach out for help. So there's a lot of, a lot of stigma and a lot of um, demystifying that needs to take place and that's why we use our platform we're passionate like you guys we want people to know that there are solutions absolutely an abundance of people amazing people out there doing some fabulous work um that really is life-changing work so brilliant so nice to know you Nuno and so good to know that um you know that you're at the heart of um you can't doing amazing things did you want to add anything else kevin before we finish up 
No, uh, just to say thank you. Um, thank you. And I'm sorry I had to ask those questions, but I think they're the ones that people need to know. That That's that's what I wanted to know But when I got him. Has he got a telly? You know, stuff like that. You know, because that could be the decider. Yeah. Because when you're in the grips of your addiction, you, you, know, you don't want to care about groups. You don't care about, you know, can you get out? Is there a telly? And it's stuff like that. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's the stuff that you need to know. Uh, so is there a telly, basically? There is tellies. <laughs> in your room. In, in the room. That's in the room. Gary's saying prioritise. You can see where he's coming from, can't you? Honest to God. No, but, um, these are the questions I think people will want to know that may be too embarrassed to ask when they're, they're on that road to getting into, into a rehab. Uh, they, they won't say it. They won't say is there a telly because they don't want to sound silly. Um, because they think they're in enough trouble as it is. Sometimes, Kevin, the shame and the guilt is so overwhelming that they don't dare to ask questions like that. So exactly. I, I, I was so shameful getting in there and was being chased by the press. Uh, the, the, I was dying to know if there was a telly. I was dying yeah. to know, look, can you get decent coffee? Yeah, just simple stuff because that is all, a, it's a carrot, you know, it's something that gets you in there. And there might be the most stupidest of things to see to other people, uh, but to the active addict, um, they're important because you're thinking maybe I can, I, you know, I can live without booze, but you know, if I can't watch, if I can't watch the football, um, then, you know, it's all over. Basically. So what I wanted to say, we've had some really good comments, beautiful comments, lovely. Um, I'll show you that a lot. Nuno, good to see you. And and Jane Tobias says, Kevin, um, having been to Banbury Lodge, your questions are spot on and exactly as I, as I needed to know before she went in. Um, you know, it's really, really important. All addiction information there um, can be found. Um, and loved ones, you know, any questions that you've got, you can give us a ring, you can give UCAT a ring, you can give, just just start to have those conversations, you know, just reach out. It's the, the, the best thing, it's the hardest thing we ever did, but the greatest thing that we ever did. Mm -hmm. It gave us everything. And like you said, Nuno, you've got a beautiful family, you've travelled the world, you've been mm -hmm. educated, you've got a new passion, a new purpose, you work for a great company. You know, what's not to love? You know? It, I don't think we'd think, be doing it. We we wouldn't be doing this if it was if it was dull and boring, would we? No, I mean my life, you know, changed completely and I've been uh, having awesome experiences you know, everywhere in the world. But if I didn't have that experience of treatment, you know, maybe I would not be here today talking to you. And that's the reality. That is the reality. It is, you know, unfortunately, it is life and death. You know, and like you say, you know, these are big decisions. So yeah. for anybody who's listening, if you've got any questions, we're happy to help. If you've got any questions about addiction treatment, you can give them a ring they're happy to help you know most important thing is just reach out for help um there's lots of things freely available like you say we can signpost to all of the different fellowships that are out there we can come up with a a, a a treatment plan that's just for the individual that rings up you know we can find out what's available in their area um that's freely available and also if they've got options that they want to you know they want to pay for private treatment we can signpost them there as well so the most important thing is having those conversations so thank you Nuno so much for coming along my pleasure
love speaking to you um and like i say if anybody's got any questions don't hesitate if you identified with anything that we've talked about you're not on your own um you know if if you don't want to speak to us go and speak to your doctor um and you know we wish you all the very best of um luck in the world and yeah start today i say brilliant thanks everyone for watching and thank you nuno again for coming along see you next week Thank you. Kennedy Street. Please visit KennedyStreetCIO.org. Recovery is possible.